Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we sit down with content matter experts and discuss what is currently top of mind in the world of pharmacy. My name is Rachel Still. I'm an ambulatory care pharmacist from Parkview Health in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And today we'll be chatting with Quinn Wynn, an ambulatory care pharmacist also from Parkview Health in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Rachel Kruer, PharmD, the inpatient clinical pharmacy coordinator and critical care clinical pharmacy specialist from Indiana University Health in Indianapolis, Indiana. We'll be talking with them about the role of ambulatory pharmacy in the post-COVID-19 care as services continue to develop to meet the healthcare needs of the ever-growing pool of patients who have experienced COVID-19. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I would like to start by asking you to provide us an overview of your clinic sites. For example, who are the key players and what is the visit or follow-up structure? Quinn, can you get us started with Parkview Health? Yeah, I will start. So at Parkview Post-COVID Clinic, uh, it is a multidisciplinary outpatient clinic with collaboration with specialists from neurology, neuropsychology, physical medicine and rehab, nursing, pharmacy, and physical therapy. Patients will individually be seen by all of our specialists for review and assessment of their five most troubling long hauler symptoms. Then specific recommendations are given to the patient and to their PCP, typically via the electronic health record. Additionally, we also have a clinical nurse who conduct a post-visit virtual support group to foster an environment for our patients to share their stories and what has helped them uh, with other patients. For now, due to the high volume of referrals, but only once a week nature of the clinic, we only offer one office visit for each patient. However, our team and our patient can request a follow-up visit later on if the symptoms uh, get worsened. Similarly, the IU Health Post-Intensive Care Clinic is a collaborative, multidisciplinary outpatient clinic. The ICU Survivor Center's mission is to maximize the recovery of critical illness survivors. The center is conducted once weekly and staffed by expert providers that include pulmonary and critical care medicine, intensive care nursing, clinical nurse specialists, mindfulness experts, pharmacists, occupational therapy, social work, palliative care, spiritual support, and chaplaincy. When a patient comes to clinic, they are seen by a each member of the team. And after seeing the patient, the care team meets to relay their assessment and recommendations. The physician or nurse practitioner concludes the visit with the patient to communicate the plan from the team. The center's clinical team evaluates and helps manage complex presentations that include, but aren't limited to memory loss, personality changes, cognitive impairment, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, polypharmacy, uh, chronic pain, neuropathy, and ICU-acquired weakness and debility. We also help uh, patients who experience frailty, chronic respiratory failure, sleep disturbances, mobility impairments, and quality of life concerns. Evaluations are conducted with in-clinic testing as well as referrals. Uh, We send referrals to radiology, pulmonary function testing, cardiac function testing, as well as rehab services. And the center also provides support for caregivers of ICU survivors. Our clinic often connects patients with additional providers or resources as well. There's a fast-track referral process available to the IU Health Neuroscience Center, as well as the Indiana University Center for Musculoskeletal Health Fit Resource Corps and the Rehabilitation Hospital of Indiana, as well as multiple other IU Health specialties, including psychiatry, primary care, and geriatrics. 
Thank you both for that information. Um, could you now share how patients are identified for your services? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so to be eligible for the Parkview post-COVID clinic, a patient needs to be at least 18 years old or older, has four weeks of uh, post-COVID um, with lingering symptoms and referred to us by a Parkview primary care provider. The clinic is also partnered with the Parkview Mirror Center for Research and Innovation for research opportunities. And additionally, Parkview just launched a pediatric post-COVID clinic. This clinic is the first post-COVID clinic in the region that focuses on the pediatric population. Right now, uh, the clinic accepts referral for patients under the age of 18 with diagnosis of uh, COVID-19 with at least uh, four weeks of post-COVID diagnosis with lingering symptoms. How about your service, Rachel? The IU Health Survivor Center is open to all ICU survivors, not just COVID-19 survivors. But our clinic began in June 2020, and the majority of patients that we have cared for have been survivors of COVID-19. Referrals can be made by ICU providers or by other care team members by messaging our clinic administrator via fax or sending a message within the electronic health record. To accept referrals from outside hospitals, and given our relationship with the Neurocognitive Rehabilitation Services at the Rehabilitation Hospital of Indiana, we also receive referrals for patients being discharged from long-term acute care at RHI. Thank you. And what is your role as a pharmacist in the clinic? Quinn, let's get started with you again. Sure. So for my role at the Parkview Post-COVID Clinic, I will review patients' symptoms, history of their COVID infection and treatment that they have in the past, current medications, comorbid conditions, and their COVID-19 vaccination status prior to their arrival. Then during the visit, I will complete a full medication reconciliation to ensure that our record accurately reflects what the patient is taking. From there, I work to identify what medication has helped or worsened their symptoms and assess if they have been using that appropriately. Also, quite often, I find that patients are taking a lot of supplements that are not listed on their medication list. So I will also review for any potential interactions, side effects, and appropriate dosing. For patients that are unvaccinated, I will encourage vaccination, answer any questions or concern they have about a vaccine, and provide information on where they can get vaccinated. Lastly, I compile all of the information that I have gathered through this discussion with the patient and provide my recommendations to both the team and to the patient's PCP to follow up. One of my most notable interventions was addressing inappropriate use of inhalers. So this patient did not have a prior history of asthma COPD, developed a lot of shortness of breath and chest tightness after her COVID infection. And she was given an albuterol and a steroid combination inhaler, but her symptom was not improving. So I identified that she did not have proper administration technique with the inhalers. She used the albuterol inhaler excessively every day, and she did not use her steroid inhaler consistently as prescribed. I reviewed the dosing and demonstrated the proper technique to the patient, and I wrote a message to inform the PCP and recommended to follow up. I also recommended a referral to pulmonology for further workup for the patient. I reviewed her chart uh, a couple of weeks later, and uh, luckily she did, not, she did report improvement uh, with her um, respiratory symptoms. That's wonderful to be able to see the positive outcome from an intervention, Quinn. Uh, Rachel, can you tell us about your role and perhaps some interventions that you have made? 
Absolutely. I work with a team of three pharmacists in the ICU Survivor Center, and we rotate Friday afternoons in clinic. All three of us are critical care trained clinical pharmacy specialists, so venturing out of the ICU and into the clinic is a fun change of pace. Our roles in the ICU in the IU Health Survivor Center are similar to Quinn's. We perform a comprehensive medication history utilizing external prescription bill history, discharge notes from patients' acute hospitalizations, as well as any long-term acute care or rehab admissions. And then we have a discussion with the patient when we see them in clinic. We also review COVID and influenza vaccination status, answer any questions about vaccines, and obtain vaccine for clinic administration if it's indicated. My interventions may include deprescribing medications that are left over from hospitalization, such as stress ulcer prophylaxis. We also calculate an anticholinergic burden score. We make recommendations to minimize medications that carry significant anticholinergic burden to minimize the risk and impact on cognitive function. Interventions may include tapering benzodiazepines, discontinuing diphenhydramine, and offering alternative agents if diphenhydramine is being used for allergic rhinitis, or recommending referral to psychiatry to optimize antidepressant or mood stabilizing agents. Additionally, we ensure that anticoagulants started while inpatient are dosed appropriately, that they're continued for an appropriate duration, and that the patient has anticoagulation follow-up with a provider. During our discussion with patients, we inquire about any barriers to obtaining medications as well as patient adherence, and we help to resolve any problems that we've identified. Sometimes this is as simple as discussion of the use of a pillbox or setting reminders on their smartphone. And then finally, we work collaboratively with the multidisciplinary team um, during the discussion of the patient's scores on a variety of objective assessment tools, evaluating anxiety, depression, PTSD, cognitive function, and sleep. We make recommendations for medication optimization or referral to an appropriate specialist. If a patient is already connected with, with psychiatry, for example, or pain management, we relay our recommendations to the pulmonary critical care provider who synthesizes all of the recommendations in clinic and sends them to the patient's established care provider so that we can avoid having too many cooks in the kitchen. One of my most notable interventions occurred after discussion with a patient who was experiencing intermittent confusion, reported some unsteady gait and difficulty sleeping. Upon further inquiry of recent medication changes and verification of his doses, I found that his insulin regimen had recently been increased. We then reviewed his glucose log with his significant other, and I found that he had been experiencing intermittent hypoglycemia. We made adjustments to his insulin regimen that day and messaged his endocrinologist via the electronic health record. I educated the patient on more frequent glucose monitoring and hypoglycemia management. Had a pharmacist not been in clinic that day, it's likely that pharmacotherapy would have been adjusted to address sleep and confusion rather than glycemic control. And I believe that a pharmacist's review of medications, including indications and adverse effect profile, contributes to the multidisciplinary team's ability to assess the whole patient in a comprehensive manner. Great. Thank you. This definitely highlights the value that having a pharmacist as a care member can provide to these patients. I wonder, though, how is your service financially sustainable? Yeah, so uh, first, it's really important that uh, to, that we know which setting that your service operates in. At Parkview, our adult post-COVID clinic is located in a space designated as the hospital outpatient department. For those who have this setting, a facility billing is an option. If a CMS-recognized provider is involved in the clinic, professional fees can be billed in addition to the technical or facility fee. For non-hospital clinics, options for buildings would depend on the structure of your service. Um, so for independent pharmacist visit, there might be an option to build this service incident two, which may be limited to a 99211 when the incident 
two criteria is met. Um, but that depends on the payer and your state regulation as well. For shared visits with a CMS recognized provider, a physician's fee schedule rules do not apply to pharmacist time to be uh, included to incident to billing. The ASHP Ambulatory Care Resource Center has some great documentations to help guide you when uh, you're working through establishing a billing process for your own uh, practice site. As Quinn mentioned, our ICU Survivor Center is located in a space designated as a hospital outpatient department. Our clinic visits are shared visits with a CMS-recognized provider, thus the professional fees are billed as a pulmonary clinic visit in addition to the facility fee. I echo Quinn's recommendation to refer to the ASHP Ambulatory Care Resource Center to work through establishing a, bill a billing process for your clinic site. Thank you. In our few remaining minutes, would you two be able to speak to the outcomes that you are seeing with your practice site? Quinn, let's start with you again. Sure. Uh, unfortunately for the Parkview post-COVID clinic, we are still in the data collection phase at this time, so I don't have any results I can speak to yet. I would say, though, that the neurology team is collecting data in an effort to associate symptoms with the patient's current conditions and then on the effectiveness of the collective team's intervention. Uh, I'm really excited, though, when we start having this uh, data coming out available. Uh, how about you, Rachel? I'm sure you have more exciting data to share. We evaluated the impact anticholinergic burden has on cognitive function in patients admitted with respiratory failure secondary to COVID-19 who are experiencing post-intensive care syndrome. At the time of analysis in June 2021, we had data for 52 patients and 26 met our inclusion criteria. The patients in our study had a median age of 52 years. They were nearly all insured. 81% were mechanically ventilated during their hospitalization, and about a quarter of the patients were on ECMO during their admission. About half had documented delirium, although we think this is likely an underrepresentation of the incidence of delirium uh, and is limited by the documentation uh, that we were able to find retrospectively in the chart. In the ICU Survivor Center, we use the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, or MOCA, to assess cognitive dysfunction. Any score of less than 26 indicates some degree of cognitive impairment. And when we compared patients with cognitive dysfunction to those without cognitive dysfunction, we found that older age, Black race, longer time from hospital discharge to the initial clinic visit, and higher Charleston comorbidity index were more common among patients who experienced cognitive dysfunction. This was a really small sample size of patients, but interestingly, the difference in anticholinergic burden scores at discharge was not statistically different between patients with and without cognitive dysfunction. We found this data to be interesting and hypothesis gener generating. We were able to present this as an abstract at the Society of Critical Care Medicine meeting in April, and we look forward to sharing additional findings and outcomes in the future. Well, thank you both. That's all the time we have for today. So, like I said, thank you, Quinn Wynn and Rachel Kruor, for joining us today to discuss the roles that pharmacy can have in the post-COVID-19 care. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's online resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Ambulatory Care Resource Center, the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, Clinical Pharmacy Resources, and more. Thanks again for tuning in to this session of Hot Topics in Pharmacy, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes 
access show notes and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.